Good morning. I am so glad that you all are here. It's always a blessing to be together like this on the Lord's Day. And uh, God is uh, shining on us, His Son. Cheryl and I were driving in from the country. We uh, got to see a big orange ball light up and move through the trees uh, as the sun was rising on the earth. That was beautiful. Um, There are a few things that uh, I need to share with you today. And um, the first thing I need to ask you, though, before I get too serious, is um, does anybody here remember the Mary Tyler Moore show? Okay. (laughs) All right. Anyway, um, remember the last episode (laughs) where Lou and the whole gang were in a big bunch and they were trying to get out the door and they decided just to move all together out the door? Anyway. Okay. We watched that series too much, I guess. Um, Reruns. But... um, before that, I think it was Lou or Murray who looks at Mary and says, no goodbyes, Mayor. And um, ever since then, <laughs> Cheryl and our girls, <laughs> whenever we're together and we leave, uh, they always say to each other, no goodbyes, Mayor. Which is kind of funny. It's kind of funny. But it needs to be True. And uh, for all those who are in Christ Jesus, it is true. There are no more goodbyes. This morning I want to um, share a couple things with you about being in the arms of God. The very best place to be. At all times. All the time. Not just toward the end of the journey. At all times. In the arms of God. A Scottish minister and writer, George MacDonald, said, How strange this fear of death is. We are never frightened at a sunset. Think about that. Think about it. Before I, I, I actually came across this, uh, this song, I had thought quite a bit about um, this idea of being in the arms of God. And then I came across this uh, song, which I think is fairly recent. And the lyrics go like this. Come and rest in the arms of God. Leave your worry and fear. Make your home in the heart of God. God will dry every tear. For the burden you carry will fade within God's care. Come and rest in the arms of God. You are not alone, for God is always near. Come, place your doubt and fear within God's care. God will give you rest and soothe your weary soul. Dwell in the heart of God. In the arms of God is definitely the best place to be. You don't want to be anyplace else. 
what uh, our brother Paul just read um, has become one of my um, new favorite psalms, and there are many. And I read this uh, to um, Ian and Marty uh, a few nights ago when we were with them. And, um, and it has a strengthening effect. You hold my right hand, arms, hands, talking to God. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Anybody here not want to go to a glorious destiny? Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. Is that true for you? There are some human beings who are just scraping and scratching to hold on to physical life. If you've read Ian's book, he starts off talking about physical life, spiritual life, physical death, spiritual death. Very interesting. I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail... And my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Psalm 73. It's a strengthening psalm. These words we need to say to God ourselves each day. Another psalm, 119, verse 76 says, now let your unfailing love comfort me. What is the unfailing love of God for every morning but to comfort us? Surround me with your tender mercies. Can you imagine going into a normal day thinking this? You know, sometimes we're girded for some kind of a real war, a real battle. But this is the reality when you're in the arms of God. His unfailing love comforts us. And he surrounds us with his tender mercies. No better place to be. And before I was thinking of all of this, I came across something that Francois Fenelon said in the 1600s. How blessed you will be to throw yourself into the arms of the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. For so many human beings who are resisting the only true God, they need to think about this. What are they doing when they accept his love but throwing themselves into the arms of the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. No better place to be. There is no better place to be. We need to look at a couple of things that death is not, and then we'll look at some other scriptures related to this. Death is not the end 
is not the end. According to God, according to Jesus Christ, not the end. Uh, the way we talk about death is very interesting. We talk about it as an ending. They're gone. Sometimes when somebody dies, we say they're gone. No, not really. You know, in the last uh, seven years that Cheryl and I have been here, there have been a lot of deaths in this church family. You know that? Relatives, friends, loved ones. A lot of deaths. It's, it's, it's kind of astounding how much we have experienced this together. We also say passed away. They've passed away. Passed away? Where? What? Huh? We lost them. We lost them. We think of their leaving us as a loss. And we talk about grief. We talk a lot about loss. We lost them. In what way? Let's think about it. Did we lose them? And then we say deceased. A nice semi-clinical, boring term. Deceased. What does all this mean? The connotations are usually kind of negative and kind of the message is that's it. Uh, that's not it. Here's what death is. Death is actually a point of transition. From the time that Jesus Christ started teaching, the resurrection was prominent. And when he died, the resurrection took center stage. And he told his followers that uh, some of them that you will never die. He told them that you will have everlasting life. The spirit that is now in you will well up to everlasting life. And then Paul explains to those in Corinth something about this transition. And we'll read about that in just a few minutes. Death is more a point of transition. It is an open door. You know how Jesus talked about knocking? You know how Jesus talks about doors? You know how Jesus talked about himself being the door? Himself being the gate? Well, he was most certainly not only the way to eternal life. He is the door to eternal life. He has opened up eternal life to all those who will follow him. It is the beginning of eternal life. And we can talk about this in theological terms if you want to. It would take us quite a while. But it is the beginning of eternal life. When we leave this physical body, uh, we enter a different realm. Victory is what it is for all those who are in Christ. Death is a victory. How, how many, you know, I would love to see, and maybe it happens sometimes, but I would love to see when every Christian dies, I would love to see a drum line, and I would, I would love to see, you know, like, doing some celebrating. 
I don't know what it would look like, but <laughs> probably not that. <laughs> I would love to see <laughs> sorry, some celebrating. Yeah, it is victory. When a Christian dies, it is victory. Because Jesus Christ has brought victory over death. No more sting. Victory. You're more than victors. You're more than conquerors if you're in Christ Jesus. He has conquered death. It's victory. If you've been baptized into Jesus Christ, <laughs> you belong to him, you're covered with him, you're clothed with him, and you are getting ready for the trip into eternity. It is glory. We just read the glorious destiny for God's people. And all through the New Testament, Paul in particular tries to describe the glory that you're going to experience, I am going to experience, when we are with him in eternity. We share in his glory, Paul says. We're going to share in Christ's glory, the one who conquered death. We will share in his glory. I don't think we quite understand that. And look out, because when it happens, it's going to knock your socks off. Won't have socks on at the time, but it'll knock them off anyway. Glory, glory, don't you love colloquialisms? Um, it's all about the glory of Christ, but we get to share in it because we have put all of our faith in Christ. And then we're forever in his loving care. We are forever safe in the arms, the loving arms of the one who made us. The one who loves you more than anybody else could possibly love you. You're in his arms forever. He's caring for you. He is caring for you through all eternity. Now, if we look at it, You look back at Isaiah, and you can actually see Isaiah talking about the fact that God's people are created for his glory. And then uh, Paul is saying to the Corinthians, whatever you do, whatever you do during the day, do it all to the glory of God. Uh, he's trying to help us move in this direction, uh, the glory that we're going to be uh, experiencing in all eternity. Now, in earthly terms, we can actually see in, in a number of passages, Exodus 18, 27, uh, for one, Moses said goodbye to his father-in-law who returned to his own land. Uh, Moses is saying goodbye. Ruth says, uh, in, in parting, again, they wept together, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. Um, th this, is, this is something that is common uh, to human beings, these goodbyes. And um, in uh, Luke chapter 9, we see um, uh, the Lord himself talking to someone, and, and this someone is talking about following him, and he says, um, 
Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. Huh. Interesting. And uh, Jesus kind of helped to get him focused back on the eternal kingdom with his next statement. And then in Acts uh, chapter 20, they all cried as they embraced and kissed. They had been kneeling, praying together. They were sad, most of all, because he had said that they would never see him again. Then he escorted them, him down to the ship. This is interesting because that's maybe true on earth, and it's a sadness, a temporary sadness in terms of goodbyes on the earth. But even for these folks, uh, they were going to end up seeing each other again. What Jesus has done has changed everything. And it reorients us from the goodbyes, no more goodbyes, to the hellos, the welcoming, the, the arms, the, the loving, reaching arms of God. When you and I come to the point of death, whether it's fast or slow, we need to remember this picture that Jesus Christ gives in Luke 15, 20. It's not just a picture of a prodigal son who has gone away and messed up and is coming back. It's every one of us who have sinned being welcomed back into the arms of God. And it's interesting because this picture that Jesus paints so clearly in such a compelling way sounds a lot like other wording by the apostles, Paul and John in particular, when they are talking about how Jesus himself is going to welcome us into the kingdom. He's going to warmly welcome us. We need to think about that. He's waiting. He is waiting for you to show up. This is the thing with Ian. Ian knows that Jesus is waiting for him to show up. And it's interesting because you can get a little bit impatient. And we'll find out a little bit more about that as we read in 2 Corinthians. It's, it's, Paul had these feelings. Luke 15, 20 says, while he was still long way off. Long way. You know, you know if you and I had messed up, would, would you and I have run all the way down that road? Somebody disregards us, disrespects us, and goes off and does a bunch of dumb stuff, and then they walk back up that dirt road. Would we be running down with open arms? I'm not sure all of us would. And I'm not sure in every circumstance we would. But Jesus portrays the Heavenly Father as this Father. Not just waiting. Come on. Come on over the line here. Come on. Come. No. He's running down the road. Jesus Christ coming into the earth is God running down the road toward you. He is running down the road toward you with open arms 
That's who God is. That's how much he loves you. I, I, the, the, for some reason, the theology of th- some things gets in the way of the reality of the relationship that is talked about in the word of God. And it, but it's everywhere. His father saw him coming. Saw him coming. Long way off. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, arms, in his arms, embraced him and kissed him. So when you and I start thinking about the end of life, we need to start thinking about the welcome into heaven, into the arms of God. The very best place to be. This is the heart of the Father being shown. Now, here's the Father's view that we get through the Apostle Paul. And I can only read a few uh, parts of this, uh, this passage. In particular, we're going to go to chapter 5. Uh, there are several things on both sides of it, but this, this kind of captures it. Um, the end of 4, the beginning of 5, uh, 4.16 says... This is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. I want you to think about this the next time you have troubles. The next time you have a big fat headache because of some earthly thing piling on you, I want you to remember this because God is using that set of troubles to bring glory out in the end. This is what Paul is saying. It won't last very long, yet they will produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now Remember, don't look at the troubles now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, We will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in the earthly bodies, we groan and sigh But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this. And as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. And he goes on, so we're always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we're not at home with the Lord. 
For we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident, and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. I can't tell you how many times uh, Ian reads this over and over, because this is the reality. This is reality. 2 Corinthians 6.10 has this wording, which is also interesting, um, after looking at 6.2 and some other verses. He says, our hearts ache, but we have joy. This, this is really kind of the condition, especially for those of us who end up being left when somebody dies. Our hearts ache, but we have joy. That's just the way it is. And the joy will eventually overtake the ache. And when we see Jesus' face, no more aches, no more troubles, no more tears. And we're welcomed into the arms of God. And all is made right in the arms of God. Finally, our real job on earth. I know you have a job job, but our real job on earth is to help each other get to heaven. Now Cheryl likes to say this all the time, uh, along with God not wasting anything. Uh, you know, if you're married, <laughs> help your spouse get to heaven. If you have siblings, if you have Friends, neighbors, other relatives. Try in whatever way you can to help them get to heaven. That's what this life is for. That's what this life is for. It's about eternity. Our goal is to help each other get to heaven. And it's because we were made to be in the presence of God, in the arms of God, for all eternity. And King Solomon makes this clear. If you're here today, I want to encourage you to take the first step. I want to make sure that you have thought about this thing of following Jesus Christ, the one who's going to welcome you. you you're not going to get a warm welcome until you know the one <laughs> who is at the door and is the door. You must enter into a covenant relationship with him now. You must accept him for who he is now. In the way you live your life, in the way you think, the way you treat people, you have to fully accept him now. And he ushers you in. He brings you to a point of becoming Another son of God, a child of God. He makes it possible. The one who's going to welcome you. And he says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Interesting. You know, that's what dying to self is all about. It's not some theological thing. It's... It is dying to self, like Romans 6 is talking about. Uh, turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross and follow me. 
dying, dying with Jesus to follow Jesus. And we have a baptistry right here, right here, that's filled with water. And the way Jesus did it in Matthew 3 was he made John the Baptist immerse him in water before he did his ministry, before he went into the desert. He made John the Baptist immerse him. That is the example. He is our example. And he went down into the water and he came up out of the water. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit of God descends on him and God says, then you are my beloved son. It's then when God claimed him as his son. Publicly. When you are baptized into Jesus Christ, it's at that moment that you are cleansed of your sin by the blood of Christ and you receive the gift of God's Holy Spirit. And you are claimed by God as a son. And from then on, you're living in the arms of God. You're living in the arms of God. That's what you were designed for. Don't be trying to do something else. Jesus' last question is, is anything worth more than your soul? Anything worth more than your soul? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is no. If you're here today and you want that warm welcome, you want the loving arms of God around you, helping you through the, the entire journey of your life and into eternity. If you have not been baptized into Jesus Christ, we ask you to come forward now. We stand and sing.